Right, guys, thank you very much for downloading and pressing play on episode number seven of the Over the Hill podcast. Just want to send a quick shout out to everyone who's been sending in their confessions and their dilemmas to the show at the Over the Hill podcast at gmail.com. That's the Over the Hill podcast at gmail.com. If you've got something you want to confess, then send it in and we'll read it out anonymously to get it off your chest for you. And if you've got a dilemma and you need some advice, send it in and my special guest will read it out on the air anonymously and give you the best advice we can give you. Advice may vary depending on the guest and what mood I'm in. But do get in touch with the show, the Over the Hill Podcast at gmail.com. Also, make sure you are following and subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, Castbox, Google, TuneIn, wherever you listen to the podcast. Make sure you're following and subscribe so you never, ever miss an episode. On today's show, I sit down with the one and only Ricky D, the man behind ISFM 88.4. And we get into a massive conversation about his time in Pirate Radio, some crazy rooftop stories and some of the mischief he got up to over the years. This is going to be a really, really fun listen. So if you're into the London music scene, if you're into the radio scene, then please turn this one up and enjoy it's episode seven of the over the hill podcast with my special guest ricky d you are now listening to the over the hill podcast straight away and getting straight into it no fucking about mate you know what i mean i've been looking forward to this one for like ever since i spoke to you at the start i was really hoping you'd say yes to doing it and then um yeah, i've been proper looking forward to it since uh, since you said yes so uh i think this is episode seven now of the over the hill podcast and i am here with uh someone who i would consider to be pirate radio royalty legendary uh the one and only ricky d of uh of isfm fame and various other stations over the years ricky what's happening mate thank you for being here yes nice one jay thanks for having me mate and um yeah man i've been listening i've listened to all six Sick. when you sent me the first link i thought yeah let me get on it and you know what it was brilliant listen to bq sizes and uh all the other do you know what mate they were they were quite an insight for me as well so yeah. um yeah, mate. Good to be here. Thanks, bro. Yeah, I think I think it's mad because obviously you've been involved in stations in South and Southwest, um, you know, going way back to the to the early nineties, and that, and obviously BQ was running a station in North and Northeast London from like the mid two thousands. So it's like a, a separation of generations, really. Um, but yeah. obviously everyone doing the same sort of thing. And although some technology changes and some things change, obviously twin stacks are twin stack, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Everyone was still doing exactly. the same thing. Um, so yeah, we'll get into the radio talk because so many of my listeners, brother, I've been shocked at how many people have reached out, like former radio DJs and people from sort of like our circles of friends and that, that are just like, fuck me, I feel like this is a podcast for me. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, it's like yeah. talking about the things that they grew up in and I, I, I'm, I'm surprised that it hasn't really been done that much and I've been happy to see recently that they've put together a Freeze FM documentary and I've got um, Ashley J who's made that, I've got him coming on the show um, and I've spoken to Kanga as well and hopefully they're going to come on and he's going to talk a little bit about what happened in them days as well but you know you were around you were around before that um mm. even, even around on the old 927 days which i'm sure we'll get into but where did uh where did the radio game sort of start for me because i remember i well i say i remember i was a bit young but i've seen photos of you in your old don fm jacket and that so you definitely go go way back how did it all get started for you yeah well, you got it in one mate um so wow we must be talking 90 93 93, 94, um, same as most people. I was a listener, you know, Pirate Radio at the time. Um, 
funny enough, when I was listening to Sai says a lot of the stations he listened to, they were they were the ones I've brought up on Touchdown, Green Apple, all them kind of stations. But the two stations that I used to kind of like I'd class as my two favourites at that time was um Don FM and Trance FM. And uh they had quite a thing going on because Trance was on 105.4, Don was on 105.7. Um and although Trance was they had some wicked DJs and MCs. I always thought Don was just that little bit more professional, a uh, little bit better. So that was kind of like my favourite station at the time. Um, friend of mine, Double D, uh, he was a great DJ. And he said, like, what do you reckon, do you reckon we could get a show on there? I was like, oh, do you know what, I doubt it. I, I don't know how it really works. We've never been on radio or nothing. So um, called called the number of the studio. Said, oh, how do we drop like a tape? And there, was, there used to be, I don't know if you remember it, next to um, where Club UK used to be in Wandsworth. There used to be a little record shop right on the corner at the back of Quasar Laser. There used to be a record that had Don FM all on the wall sprayed. And that's where they used to let, get people to drop the tape. So um, dropped the tape down there, didn't hear nothing. So um, just kind of thought, oh, it either weren't good enough or, you know, dead in the water. It wasn't until about three weeks later, my mum said something to me about the, the answer phone in my house phone. Remember, I used to have like a tape yeah. answer phone. She said, oh, did you ever reply to some guy who left a message for you? I said, well, what guy? I said, who, who rings me? She said, oh, some guy left a message about two weeks ago. I was like, what? So I rewind the tape, and it was Vernon, Nasty V from Don, going like, I've heard the tape, love the tape. I want you to come and do a show with us. It's going to be graveyard shift, but let's see if you can, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. We didn't care what time of the night it was. Um, so we were buzzing. So I contacted him, said to him, look, I think we've got a show. And uh, so it, it was so like, this was the beauty of Pirate Radio, that, how I remember it was we had to go and meet him on, on the estate. So it was Alton Estate, as you probably know, in Roehampton. Yeah. And there was like a little car park there. And they said, go and wait there and ring the number and someone will be down a couple of minutes later. So you're waiting there. It was about three in the morning. Didn't know who was coming. Didn't know where you were going. Didn't even know what you were walking into. And um, he's actually MC Nasty. Do you remember MC Nasty? Yeah, yeah. So he come down and met us and took us up. And all I remember, it was like it was like a kid going into their first football match. It was like, I walked through the doors and I could hear the music playing. And all I kept thinking in my head was, oh my God, this is it. Like, this is where it all comes from. It was like surreal. So started doing a show on there. Um, it was a really good show. So we're doing like three till five in the morning, which I, which believe it or not, as, as I grew to you know, know over, over the years, it's a great time because people are coming out of clubs People are getting up for work. People are off their nut. And it was actually a good time to do a show. Um, so, yeah, that's where it all started for me, Don FM. And, and that's where I learned the ropes through um, Nasty V, you know, with regards to the technical side of things and that. But, um, yeah, 105.7, Don. Yeah, legendary stuff. And, you know, we, we we spoke about it on episode one, you know, the, the legacy of Don FM and some of the stations that are around at them time. And as I, as I said, you know, I know the guys that were on Rage FM and set up Team Rage and stuff all around them times as well. And, you know, I was a little bit too young for it, but my dad was DJing at around that time. I remember it. I grew up in Southfields. I was five minutes from Rampton. Half the time mm. they were using the block behind my house to put the ring. The Don in. Tower. Yeah. yeah, it's to call that the Don Tower, yeah. Um, so, yeah, mate, I, I, it was it's fond memories for me and and I can totally relate. I remember getting my first show as, again, as I was saying to say, you know, we started like a 12 till two at night and, and then we started doing 12 till two in the afternoons. And back then, you know, you didn't really know if it was good or not. And, and lo and behold, you know, people reach out to you years later and tell you, Oh, fucking love that show. Like it's, yeah. it's crazy, mate. It's crazy. Um, it 
Funnily enough, I just had an email a little while ago from someone who I've never even heard of from a place I've never even heard of. Um, who's just like hit me up to ask if he can come on the podcast. He's DJed on this place, that place and this, but, and I'm like, yeah, sweet. Like you just, you never cool. know who's listening to what you're doing. And exactly, I think that's yeah. the beauty of radio and the beauty of what, you know, some of us are trying to do now by carrying on in these kind of formats as well. Um, it's, it's an, a, a, an impressive audience that Don used to reach partly because of where they were mm. and, and partly because of how fucking good they were. Um, yeah. So, so from Don, obviously on there for a while and then they went for their, I'm assuming they went, that was around the time they went for their, uh, legal, our, yeah. our, their legal license and stuff. Yeah. Uh, were, were you still around during them times and did you, did yeah. you come around after? Yeah, no, I was there during the legal times. Um, lost a little edge, I thought, at that time. Um, you know, we've seen it now with other stations that have gone legal. They're not the same. You know, there's there's no two ways about that. They're sanitised, they're toned down. You lose that little bit of edge. Um, so, yeah, I was there during that time, but I'll be honest with you, wasn't really buzzing about it. I think the hype of we've gone legal was actually the pinnacle. The reality for me wasn't what I wanted or expected. So, um, with regards to Don, Vernon, RCV and Easy D, I don't know if you remember him, he used to be the, the, the co-owner. One they of the split. founders of uh, Flex FM, right? Well, this is exactly it. So they yeah. split. Um, Dave stayed on the estate, started running Flex FM. Um, and he said, look, come with me. And I thought, you know what? This is more my vibe. I'm not really into how the other things running. Didn't fall out of anybody. It was never about that. It was just more the thing that wasn't how I, how I wanted it or how, how it was for me, like that, that magical thing of pirate radio just felt all a bit too, a bit too above board. So, Went to uh, went on Flex 1036 original like there from day dot, um, and yeah, I was on there for was on there for quite a few years. Sick, yeah, as I said. But Flex was an even bigger part for me when I was growing up because I started to come more of age then and get more into the music. And again, you know, it's still sort of just around the corner from my house, so it picked it mm. up crystal clear. Um, obviously, I, I was on a bit of a different path. I got involved with Flight and that a bit later on myself. But around that time, I remember Flex, Flight, Delight, and a couple of others in that corner of London, mate. Like, they were just taste. unbelievable. Oh, taste as well. Like, they were just yeah, sick. Like, they, mm. You just, whatever time of day you listen to any of them stations, like, yeah. it was just always banging. And there were so many yeah. big names that come out of them flex days. I mean, obviously, you know, people who I went on to be mates with later in life myself, but people like Decline, um, you know, Genius Crew, all of them people there that came off of flex, especially, and and obviously Delight had their things with So Solid and the success and that. It's something I've been really trying to hammer home on the podcast is just where the music industry would be, um, you know, without without the fucking, the pirates, mate. It just it wouldn't exist, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, I totally crazy. agree. Yeah, do you know what, Jay, you nailed it there, man. It's just, it's unreal how many people's come out of the scene, how many people this has reached. It's just a shame that it's never, it never got to where we believed it could go. Um, and also, me, that's, it's not really shown the respect I think it should. And that's something I'm hoping to achieve with these, uh, being able to sit down and talk to people like yourself about it and, you know, other people that have been in the game for a very long time. Like just, you know, I think it's a big part of British culture that's really, really unappreciated. And even, even worldwide music culture, mate, because we've had a lot of artists that have smashed the game across the globe that in, in reality terms, I mean, Tiny Temper had massive hits out in the States, bruv. Like he was doing bits over there and he come from South London. He was on Pirate. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, cra it's crazy. And as I say, I think it's a really underappreciated thing. And you know, I know we're going to get into your later on days of, of working in labels and stuff like that and the involvement that you had with some upcoming artists. And I'm looking forward to that. But uh, after Flex, wh where did you sort of crack on from there? 
So what I've done after Flex, because um, I started like way back in the day, my thing was like US house and I love jungle. So it was either one or the other. That's why my spot back in the day was Paradise Club in Islam because it had a wall upstairs and it had downstairs. They had like a, it was like a, it was kind of like the very early garage, but it was US and you yeah. had Matt Jam Lamont and remember like Dean Savon and DJs like that. Um, so Sunday I used to scene. flip between the two rooms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I used to flip between the two rooms and that was like my scene. So because I still had that love and that involvement with Jungle, a few of my pals said, look, should we start our own station? But we kind of mix it up and blah, blah. I said, no problem. So I started a station over in Brentford um, called Reload FM. Um, that went all right. But the only thing was we went for about a year and a half, but we had one rig. So <laughs> it was like when that rig went, it was like the station died. But to be fair, a lot of people come to me and say, oh, yeah, I remember it. And but it was like that was kind of like just our little apprenticeship. And uh, so, yeah, done that. Um, was that coming off of uh, was that coming off the famous Brentford blocks? Yeah, Green Dragon. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Green Dragon. I still remember. I think I'm trying to remember the name of the block. I can't remember if it was Whitstable House, but um, it was literally the one right in the middle. But uh, Wicked Blocks, Wicked Blocks. But um, yeah, so done that for about a year and a half. Um, again, as I say, more of an apprentice thing, just trying to work out how we do things and learning and how to solder, how to build aerials, you know, how to plumb things in. And that was really, really important. So after that, um, so bang, garage things just, it was starting to take off. And at the time there was hardly no stations. I'd listened to the early ones like Girls FM and things like that, but it was Freak that done it for me and London Underground 89.4, because they had some unbelievable DJs on there. Um, and it was just like, the vibe was like this new vibe. It was like, what is this sound? It was like, it was like that US stuff, but more edgy. And yeah. it had more bass and it had just that, like the vocals. And for me, it was like, wow, what is this? And I went to um, I went to a Freak FM event at Bagley's called Freaking You. Um, and it was just, you know what? I still remember it to this day. I could say it was probably one of the best nights I've been at for Vibe. And I come out there and thought, you know what? I've got to do this, man. I've got to start a station in West London. Because at the time, they were over like North London, Finchley Parkway. Then you had like your Magic FMs and all that in Hackney. There was nothing over West London. So... Um, so yeah, it's just start putting things in foundation to start ice, and um, we kicked off over in Fulham. So coming out of uh, the original studio, I know you've mentioned it quite a few times on your social media on the Clem Atley yeah. estate, um, mm. legendary, legendary pirate business. Uh, so you had ice was that that was eighty eight point four. Actually started actually started on ninety two point seven. Oh okay. Yeah, we started, remember we had, because obviously we had two stations, we had Max yeah, FM yeah. and ISFM. Yeah. That's why we've done Max, we didn't want to lose that frequency. So yeah. um, it actually started at 92.7, but there was, um, we were on, so we were coming off that block in um, Fulham. It wasn't a great block, but again, it was more just to get up and running. But just over the water in, um, just by Fulham Palace, down that way, Wandsworth Bridge Road, that was yeah. Wandsworth Bridge Road. There was, um, there was like a, a ragger station on 92.5. I can't remember the name of it. Um, was it Power Jam? I can't remember now. I can't remember. I think it was one on 92.5. So it's a little bit, you know what I mean? It was a little bit too close. So spoke to the engineer. He said, look, I've got another frequency, 88.4. What about that? So we jumped onto that. We was well away from everyone. It was fine. Started getting out better, but kept 92.7 for ourselves. Obviously, a legendary frequency for for several reasons. Um, mm. With with Ice, some of the some of the DJs you had on there, 
um, from the get-go. Uh, some of the names we could reel off, um, absolutely ridiculous names. How did that sort of come about that you managed to sort of grab so many of the best DJs from not just the manor, but from around as well, uh, and all get them just to, to sort of just come onto this station that was ice and almost like mm. it's like brother look at it nowadays it's a hall of fame line up some of them people that was on there do you know what i mean yeah it's, it's how, just mad how was the recruitment process of getting all these people together do you know what the recruitment process was literally who do you know who's got records and can dj that that was literally it mad. um obviously i knew a couple of people dom the bomb people like that um he brought in dj rio uh then someone else knew mr reds so they brought mr reds Someone else knew Dodger, Dodger knew Bigatron. Um, my mate ran me and said, oh, about Martin Lana. Oh, okay, cool, bring him down. Martin Lana come down, he was there from the off. Bigatron. Um, Chunky, he was there from the start. Spinny B. Like, it was more people, like mates of mates, do you know what I mean? Um, it's mad. Spinny would have been few. about 13, 14 them times as well. Mate, mate, he'd tell you himself, <laughs> his mum used to drop him off outside the station. He, he, do you know the maddest thing? Like, I know it sounds mad. He was still at school. Like, it's he was crazy. still at school, but... But he was unbelievable. Even back then, I thought, this kid can mix, mate. He's unbelievable. That's why now, I still say to people now, if Spinny B had the backing of, like, some of the big-name DJs, who I think are names, but I don't think they're great DJs, Spinny B would be one of the best DJs out there because he's a fantastic DJ. Um, but again, it's more that thing of, you know, people, people, you know, they've got their favourites and, and that's that, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know how that goes. Uh, <laughs> been involved in the scene long enough to know how the favoritism stuff goes, mate. Um, yeah, so obviously, you know, some of the biggest DJs on there, some of the biggest MCs as well came through. Um, and you even had the likes of EZ popping up on there as well. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> yeah, that was mad. So um, I, I, used to, I used to do a lot of things with Zed back in the day, um, mainly gas, because obviously when Paul K done his event, which was One Night Stand, um, he, he had been listening to the station and I didn't know Paul at the time. He just said to me, look, can you come down and like host my night every night, every Saturday at gas? And I said to him, mate, I'm not an MC, mate. I like, I've got no lyrics. I'm not about that. I'm just, I've been put into this by, I shouldn't even be doing it. I'm doing it because there's no one else to do it. And I'm setting up the station and someone has to talk. I just kind of fell into it. Um, and he was like, no, 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 I love your vibe. I just need someone to just tick it along and bubble it along. Um, until you know another end okay cool that's fine by me so um so I used to see the uh, Z there a lot because Paul used to book him a lot and we used to get on really well do you know what I mean that's a, you know, we used to have a good laugh and a good chat and um he always used to say to me like the station's banging like I was driving here station's banging like who's that DJ like he's got this tune and he's got that tune and he took a general like a genuine interest in the station so um I said to him one day I said look would you come and do a guest show with us he's like do you know what I've never been on another station except for free because that's because he was a part of freak yeah like he was a part of the, the setup so um he said like that's my station or said, but do you know what i would do that for you and i was like i don't don't say if you ain't gonna do it man he's like no brother i'll do it for you it's not a problem i was like wow okay so we announced it right so we announced it and when he come up we said right usual stuff bring a sports bag keep it low-key this at the other and he turned up and when we got to the block there was about 40 people outside the door like we, we at this time we thought this was we're all undercover. Every fucker knew where it was, you know what I mean? Uh, there was about 40 kids at the door asking for his autograph. Like at the time there was no picture phones. It was more like, can you sign that? And it was like, oh for fuck's sake. But um yeah, that was that was brilliant. So 
that shows that we're spun now on things. It's mad. Yeah, I see it's up on YouTube. It's funny that as well. Like you just you can imagine it being nowadays, and some prick could tag the location on Instagram if they had the picture. Oh, <laughs> can you imagine? Honestly, can you imagine? It's true. Yeah. It's true. Look, you know, speaking of uh, the locations, uh, obviously, you know, you said you started on the Clem. Um, mm. Did how far around did you move, and um, did you ever get? You know, were you ever forced to move studio through raids or anything like that, or was it largely just, you know, change your location as and when you needed to? We we had we, we probably over the time we probably had five or six studios. Two, I'd say, were our main studios that we had for a year, two years at a time. Um, never had a studio raid. We were very conscious about security. And I know it's easy for me to say that now when I said there's forty people outside the block, but you're talking about forty people on the estate, yeah, they've yeah. got your back and they're your people. Do you know what I mean? That's a lot different from the DTI flying around in a Monday looking for you. But, um, you know, we learned quite early, like, you know, going back to the apprenticeship days of, you know, what to use. So rather than use a band one, fling out the window, you could find that on your, on your, on your own little radio. We were using microwaves straight away from the start, midpoint in it. And yeah, so we were, we were, we had our block at that time in um, Shepherd's Bush Green. So we were we were linking to Shepherd's Bush Green. Studio was in Clematley. Um, and yeah, we used to that was fine for about a year, year and a half. Um got a little bit hot on that block. Um, went up there one day and uh they had the Gerda keys. Do you remember the Gerda keys? Yeah, yeah. So at this time it was all FB keys and everyone could get in everywhere. I went up there one Friday afternoon and I was like, what's going on? That looks different, man. I'm trying to put my key in like what? I didn't even know what it was. So um so I rung Tony, um, Tony Mack, and he's he would know about all these things. So I said, Tony, I've got this key. He said, Has it got this groove here? It's got this groove there, is it long? Is it this? I said, Yeah, that's the one. He goes, mate, that's impossible to get in that door. I was like, what are we gonna do? He said, mate, I ain't got a clue. Anyway, so one of our DJs, I can't mention his name because he still works for the council, but one <laughs> of our DJs, I told him and he said, Come to my house and I'll get you some overalls, right? I know I'm sweet. So when I got some hands from full of mobiles off of him, and he goes, them, them doors, we've had a finger around, they're like proper security doors now because of all the pirates. Whenever he's caused no damage, it never caused any issues, but it was more like they knew we was there type thing, but just didn't really know how to deal with it. So let's just put a new lock on the door. So anyway, he said, look, the key's going to be with the, um, with the caretaker. I was like, wow. So then, obviously, at this stage now, we have to get on. Do you know what I mean? We've been on about a year, year and a half. We have to get on. We've got ads to play. We've got parties to promote. So I've uh, gone down to his door, knocked on his door. Got the overalls on and all that. And he's answered the door. I said, all right, mate. I said, uh, I'm trying to sort this fucking lift out. I said, they've changed the locks up there. I said, what's going on? I said, you can't even do your job these days. He went, oh, don't. He said, oh, they want me to look after it. Babysitting the fucking thing. I said, oh, mate. I said, I couldn't borrow that for half hour, could I? He went, mate, you have to drop it back to me. They have made it so clear to me. This has to stay with me. I said, yeah, yeah, Sam, it's not a problem. Because Tony had said to me, if you get me the key over the weekend, I can get that cut. He said, hardly no one can get them cut. I can get that cut. I said, all right, sweet. So I then had to be a, took a bit of a liberty, got the radio on, locked up, and I had to go to Camden and give him the key because I couldn't give it back to the fellow. Otherwise, we couldn't get back in. So what, that, what our boy done was cut, um, it was like a master key. So any girl that we went to, get in we start opening doors for other stations and all sorts with it but um but yeah so that's so that's what that's where that kind of started but yeah we was in fulham shepherd's bush labrick grove uh Battersea, camden swiss cottage we was all over the place mate yeah did you were you coming off the big blocks in swiss cottage because that's like yeah 
yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was our, that was our boomer, mate. Yeah, yeah. that's big boy territory up there, isn't it? That's like no fucking. Yeah. I think many many people I've spoken to, and I've got a couple of them coming on the show, but many people I've spoken to over the years, there's a few locations that always get mentioned as as prime, and I know that's that's mm. definitely definitely one of them. You mentioned um, you mentioned Mac FM there, um, mm. and, t- and Tony Mac. Um, how was that all going? Because they were sort of on at the same time as you, and obviously you had a close relationship and that. What was uh, what was the process sort of behind that? Where were they coming from, and and you know how did you guys sort of almost team up? So when Tony first called me, I didn't know Tony. He he was doing exposure at the gas on a Friday night. Um, One of the biggest nights of all time. Yeah, it was <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. But at this time, he first started out on the gas, and um, I used to hear his advert on everything. Every station I put on, this guy's advert was on it. And I thought, fuck, you know, we need to get into this guy, man, because he's he's paying dough for ads. So I contacted him, said, mate, like, I've got a new station in West London. There ain't no one around here. I know you're, you're on all the other ones, but there's no one around here. Do you want to put an ad on? And he said, yeah, come and meet me in Camden. I said, sweet. So I went and met him in Camden, and he goes, here's a month's advert. If you play them and everything's sweet, then I'll do it with you every week. So he kind of... now. I've known, I spoke to Tony last night. Imagine that, right? This is after all this time. So I'm still close with Tony. Even to this day, that should have taught me from the off, if Tony can get a penny out of you, he will do it. He's very good <laughs> at that, right? And not in a bad way. He's just very shrewd, right? So he, he gave me that little incentive. You stay on and everything's booming. Bang, I'll have it with you every week. Fuck it. Yeah, we'll do it. Not a problem. Went on. Fine. Good. So after about two, three weeks, he rings me. He said, mate, I really like the station. Like, I've been up in Highgate. I can hear it. I was down in fucking Crystal Palace. I can hear it. Like, have you got backing and stuff like that? I was like, no, not really, mate. It's me and a couple of mates. And he said, like, let's have a meet. I said, all right, sweet. So I went and had a meet with him. And um, he said, how much are the rigs and all that? I said, they're about 300 quid. And he said, all right, how about if we go in as a partnership and everything's 50-50? I went, all right, cool. So he said, straight away, let's buy 10 rigs. Right, and I went, Well, where are we gonna get both of that? He went, Oh no, I'll sort that, and then when the money comes back, we just trickle it out. See, in my head, I'm thinking, Fuck me, it was like it was like eating a jackpot because obviously, a rig at the time they were expensive, you're just about trying to stay on. Do you see what I mean? Through you know, five or subs or whatever. And these this geezer's buying 10 rigs, so um, so that's how it started. So it was more like that. He, he checked us out, he liked it, we built a little relationship, and then it just went on from there, mate. You know, we just um. Bang, we're going 92.7. I said, I've got another frequency as well. I said, we could sell it or we could go on that one. He's like, no, let's start another one. So like, sweet. So we started Mac up in North London. So then we could push everything on there, north, northeast, east. And like, ice was more northwest, west, southwest. So we kind of had all bases covered. That's how it worked. So yeah, both our stations, and it was just then basically just running tandem. Yeah, so, you know, between, between you and Tony, you're... You've got ice. He's got Mac. You're covering all over London. He's doing. Um, he's doing what he's doing with his events like exposure and, and things like that. Um, what about yourself? What, what events were, were ice running at that sort of time? Um, well, obviously, because we went in as partners, Tony already had exposure, but we came to an agreement that obviously, if if I'm part of a station that's pushing it, then obviously I've got to be a part of that. So we worked out a deal where I was a part of that as well. Um, which for me was massive because straight away it's a big it's a big event. But we were also doing um, we were doing a night called Memories at the Gas. Uh, that was a that was a wicked night. We used to have some really good parties down there. 
Um, we've done a night called Obsession at a few different places, Adrenaline Village. I think we've done our first party there. No, sorry, it was EC1 Club we've done our first party. Um, we had another one called Underground Explosion. Um, we've done another one called Pirate Mania. Yeah, we, had, we had quite a few things going. The, the regular ones was um, was Memories at Gas, uh, Exposure, at, um, you know, all over. But, uh, yeah, we had a few bits going on. Nice, nice. What were some of your uh, your favourite memories from that time? And uh, I'm uh, I'm thinking silly things that happened up on blocks and stuff like that is always uh, is always mm. is always fun to listen to. I, I know you gave us the uh, gave us the Gerda Key story, but did you have any uh, any hairy moments on a windy night? Yeah, I did. Um, a lot of the time, I used to set up on my own. Um, Fuck it all. Yeah, I used to set up on my own. <laughs> the only time I didn't was if we had. You know, if it was on particular blocks and it was super hard to get the aerial up and you needed, you needed, you couldn't do that on your own because you've got scaffold poles and you haven't, someone's got to hold it, someone's got to tie it down. So me and Wesley J would normally go up on the block. Um, but yeah, nine times out of 10, it was normally myself. But uh, I brought, um, do you know the blocks? Um, Edward Woods Estate. They're, they're the ones, they're the ones, if you if you come off Shepherd's Bush Green, yep. you can go straight up to go Holland Park or left to go up on the Westway. They're right and there on the right hand on side. On the right hand side, the big white ones. Yeah, right? massive. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. My, my, my mum lives the other side of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's just on just off Latimer Road. But, yeah. Um, so we were using them for ages, right? And they, they were good blocks. And uh, I think yeah, they're fucking massive up there, aren't they? Massive, mate. But have you, have you, were you ever up in the top? Not on them. No, no, no. Mate, it's mental, right? So someone had said to me, yeah, you want to go and use them? Because I was like, do you know what? I've never actually gone on them once, but I'm going to go over there. And when you go up there, right, so you get to the top, you come out the lift and it's got the, like, normally it's got like a cage or it's got some kind of shit where it's holding up, holding you back from the door. Got through that, no problem. And you go in there and it was like, there was about eight different rooms, but it was like a room, it looked like an old, like kind of little mini sports hall. And there was like another room that was like, I don't know what used to be up there. There must have been like a crash or something or like a nursery or something. Now they're penthouses. So that kind of makes sense. But Back then it was, just, and it was really fucking eerie because after lights didn't work, I said a little torch. But anyway, I said, just get on with it. So I brought Wesley Jump there one night. <laughs> he was a fucking nervous wreck. He was going, how can you come up here? How can you? Well, I'm going, mate. This is dodgy. This is dodgy. I said, Wes, I come up here every week. And I said, just help me do the thing. Oh, you're mad. You're mad. I ain't going up here again. Don't call me to come back up here again. Then blocks there, I must admit, they were, they were eerie. Like you'd hear little rats scuttling around, and you'd hear things, and it it, it wasn't a nice block. But um, yeah, that was uh, that, that was more like the shittier blocks. But I was over in Fulham um, off Wandsworth Bridge Road again one day. I can't think the name of the block. I went past it the other day as it goes, and it was a Saturday morning. We'd been taken off um, on the Friday evening, so bang back up there Saturday morning. And as you walked in the door, there was like a water tank there but he was sitting on like these stilts. So if you walked in the door, you could see the bottom half, but you couldn't see the top half. But obviously I'm behind the water tank trying to de-lock this rigging. And as I'm there, like, you know, that is Larry, you know, potting away. I've heard the door go. I thought, who the fuck's that? I've heard like the keys. And I've looked down like that and I could just see about four pairs of legs. And I was like, oh my God. But I know now they can see my legs, but I but they can't see my face. Do you see what I mean? So I just heard a voice go, do you want to come out? And I thought, where is it? So as I've gone out, it was two DTI geezers and two old Bill, right? So um, I goes, oh, right, mate. He goes, oh, 
hello. He goes, what frequency? And I went, oh, 88.4. He went, oh, the Ice Boys. <laughs> I went, oh, oh, yeah, I, as if like an old pal. He went, oh, you're a bit far over. And yeah, I said, yeah, we've got a problem on our block. He went, okay, well, you know the story. Got to have a chat with him and blah, blah, blah. He's had a little one-to-one with the old Bill. The old Bill took me outside, but he didn't know really what to do and how to deal with it. So he's got to be like, uh, what's your name type thing? Oh, Brian. Oh, Brian, what? Oh, like Brian Jones. Where'd you live? Oh, I'm not, I haven't got an address in a minute. Oh, okay, I'll make it easier for you. Where'd you stay last night? Oh, some girl's house in like East London. Like he was getting nowhere with me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing up there? Oh, some fella just paid me to turn this plug on me. I don't even know what's going on. Some community thing. So that was the first time I thought, shit, this is getting a little bit hairy. But um, yeah, again, like, I, I, we had a few bits and bobs like that. But as the time went on and the party started getting bigger, more regular, we had an hour of adverts. Like, imagine that we was charging one and a half for an advert, and we had a fucking hour. Like, it's a lot of dough, yeah? Mm. And we just started getting it so much, it just became like, they say cat and mouse, but this was like, you know, there was no cat and mouse with this. They were having us, and that was it. Um, they were hitting us twice a week, every week at one point. Um, yeah, so... Fucking hell. Eventually it just becomes like it's not even a question of the money for the rigs, is it? It's it's more just ag. It's <laughs> ag and you and you know it's the start at the end. You've got to sometimes be a little bit this I've, I've jumped a little bit there. This is more towards the end, but the point being when they do put their foot down on you, they really do. But the thing is, we never cause them aggravation like ever. Like a lot of stations, they do some naughty things like where they put rigs and we never made it hard for them. But if you was a thief, you'd have struggled. You wouldn't have ever probably got it out. But for them, it was quite, you know, running the mill. And I couldn't understand it. So uh, I said to the lads, I said, you know what? We're the flat. So one of the lads, we're the flat right on the estate. And I said, you know what? I'm going to wait up all night. And if we get hit again, I need to go and speak to these lot. But people used to say, oh, don't ever confront them. They don't like it and whatnot. But so I've got to talk to them because this, this is just fucking crazy. So um, lo and behold, about half six in the morning, bang, psh, it's gone off flew down there. One of them's already gone up in the lift and his other was just sitting in the car. He obviously hadn't expected someone to come over. So I went over quietly and I just said, oh, mate, can I have a quick word, please? And he just done up the window. And I was like, no, mate, I ain't going to do nothing. They kind of put the window down a little bit. I said, look, mate, I ain't going to cause you an aggravation. I just need to know, like, why are we getting hit all the time? And this was the like the, the moment where I kind of thought, we're done here. He literally just looked at me and just went, it's too big, mate. I went, what? He went, it's too big, mate. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you started off like everybody else. He said, but now you're running like a business. And he said, we can't have that. And that's the point when I thought we're fucked here. Like this is this is the start of the end. And it was. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But I think that's what it is. I mean, a lot of the time stations, it's like we're talking to BQ about, you know, they, they were killing it with what they were doing with suppliers, events and everything else. And, mm. they, you know, Wesley was around them times as well, as you say, like a mate of yours. And, um, yeah, I think them being so close to KISS was a big problem. But mm. as we discussed on the podcast, you had uh, another station who I think are still about even now on 99.8, who were battering into KISS all the time. And they were mm. never getting taken off, but it was always bringing heat to true. And you know, what I mean? so when you're that close to illegal, but 88.4, even now, like, you know, there's a station that uses 88.4 now and it's, um, it's still a decent frequency and there's no... Yeah. There's no grief. I know um, it's something that I'll probably get into a conversation with some of the Freeze boys that are coming on, but I know when Freeze was on 927, I know that a legal station they gave a, a license to on 928 
Um, I think Hertfordshire are out in Watford somewhere, and that sort of that will signal the beginning of the end for them, even even yeah. if it's just the end of the, of the of the frequency, you know. And it does happen, but yeah, sometimes that is the thing. You get too big, and it's just like you know. They, they, you're not paying taxes <laughs> yeah, yeah, <this> is- <laughs> and as much as you are contributing to the scene as we've discussed and you know local economy and things like that he's you know when the authorities don't take a disliking to you mate that's uh you're up shit's creek without a paddle unfortunately yeah the, the thing <laughs> is as well there was something happened back then i can't really talk about it now because it's it leaves a sour taste in other people's mouth not so much mine but yeah. i'd be i'd be bringing other people's dirt and they were involved in quite a big court case. And what they were trying to do was put us as the event, this person as bringing stuff in, and another person as distributing it in our events. A complete mm. load of bullshit. Like, yep. it, was, it was just, and I think that added to it. Um, that's that's come up a lot as well, you know. We've, we've had that conversation on this podcast, and I've had it on another podcast I was a guest on. This whole nonsense thing about you know radio stations being involved in in certain things like don't get me wrong throughout the years when i've done radio like i've been around people who've done all sorts mate we're talking like tools chemicals fucking substances whatever do you know what i mean i've been around it all and i've seen it and i know people that have done it but those aren't the reasons that you run a radio station or a club night like that is propaganda bollocks mate much like stations are they interfere with the ambulance or they interfere with an airplane that is absolute nonsense bro like it's complete and like i know people nowadays that work on ambulances and fire engines and i'm like have you Mm. ever ever in like 20 years heard a pirate station come through and it's like fucking no yeah it's total (laughs) bollocks it's an all it comes down to right they want to just make money off of licenses and that's the bottom line yeah but um yeah you know there was other things that happened where for example, them, them ones in Swiss Cottage, great blocks. We used to boom off of there. And uh, we hadn't been, you know, we'd probably got it like most people once a month, maybe once every six weeks, not a problem. And then over a period of about two weeks, right, we was getting hit about every two, three days. It was just ridiculous. But what they were doing was normally they'd like cut the end of the coax, take the rig, and on the odd occasion, they'd just, you know, bend up your area or something. Everything was gone. Like it was like, it's like the council, let's say, had gone up there and took it away. But because we knew someone who worked for that council, they went, no, nah, they definitely ain't us. We was like, what's going on? Every time, everything gone, right? So uh, one of the guy who, who was on the station, he, he was into like surveillance and shit like that. So um, I thought, if anyone's going to know anything, it's going to be him. So gone up there right, one day, me and Wes, said, we've got to work out what's going on here, mate. And as you come out, Wes has gone, what's that thing there clamped onto the side of the block? Now, what it was, as you come out the middle of the motor room onto the roof, right, there was like this square metal thing that was clamped on, but it was brand new. You could see like the bolts that were shining. They were literally had been put on there. So we're looking at it, and it's facing south, and we're going, well, I don't know, mate. He goes, oh, look, there's a wire coming out of it. Followed the wire. Now, it's all been proper tacked in. You know, like, this ain't just a wire slung on the roof, and this is all been properly, professionally put in. And it's tacked all around the side of the roof. Now, we're following it all around, all around, all around, all around. We've gone around to the other side of the block and it's connected to this other weird-looking contraption bolted onto the side of the block. So we're looking at it going, what is it? Like, I don't, don't get it. So I, mean, I, I can't make any details of it. Where's this gone? Oh, my God, come and look at this. I said, what? He goes, look straight down it. So what do you mean? So I'm looking. He said, no, you need to be standing right in the middle. And, it, and I caught it. So what it was, when you stood right in the middle, it had a red infrared laser beam 
on someone's window, like a massive pane glass window, right? It's like, what the fuck? Bang in the middle, right? So we rung this geezer we know, who's into this surveillance shit, explained everything to him. He went, mate, get off the block. He said, you know what that is? He said, that, whatever's in that house is fucking serious. And that infrared is reading the vibrations. When people talk, the vibrations on the window will go back up that thing, round to the other side, and where is it heading south? I said, yeah. He said, bang, that's kind of a voxel, where the fucking MI5 is and all that shit. That's why they're clearing you out, because your double stack is probably mashing up <laughs> some, some surveillance thing. But what it turned out was, about a month, two months later, it actually got turned out it was an IRA safe house where they had guns and weapons and fucking all kinds of shit in this house. And we were there with an aerial bashing up, fucking whacking, I'll bring you flowers all over it. But, um, <laughs> but again, again, it's just them things you come across that you never would see and never would know about. Do you know what I mean? Um, really like mad random stuff. But um, again, wow, we got to go on the move. So off we went again on our, on our merry way. <laughs> I remember that happened to a few stations around the time of um, the Olympics because they were putting up um, a lot of cameras and even they were trying to put up like gun turrets and stuff like that on roofs in East London around mm. the Olympic Park for like, you know, anti-terrorist stuff. Do you know what I mean? And they, they started planning for that from 05. And then obviously the Olympics was in 2012. So a lot of stations that were in East at that time, I know for a fact were having major ag because they were trying mm. to get on their block and they'd go up there and there'd be old Bill there setting up CCTV and all sorts. Not yeah. for them, but for like mm. anti-terror purposes. So yeah, I've, I've, I've spoken to someone about that in the past, but um, mate, that's, that is fucking mental. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it was, just, it was like surreal. It was mad. And do the maddest thing about it, the road that it was on, um, it was one of them Gallagher brothers, either Liam or Noel. They used to live on that road because they used to have champagne soup and over above the door. And it was on that road. So I think it must have been so undercover that they'd done it on this nice little quiet suburban street. But obviously, there we are, flying around like lunatics. I spoke to Wes about a week ago, right? And I said to him, Wes, can you believe, like we used to go on them blocks at four o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday. Absolutely did not give a fuck about being bright as day. We're whacking aerials up. We're pulling them down with wires, pinning it all down, just like as if you're going to work. Like I said, I wouldn't have the bollocks to do it now. I literally wouldn't have the bollocks to get up on the roof and do it now because I think, oh, we're going to get in trouble. But I think at that time, it was just an absolute necessity. Do you know what I mean? You had to get on because we had parties to promote. We wanted music to pump. The DJs had to play. And it was like, um, it was all part of the fun and games. But yeah, and I think back now, it was, uh, it, it was crazy, really. <laughs> yeah I, I i said it on a podcast before i've been up on a couple of blocks and um did a few little bits that i won't mention because some of the people are still involved in that but um mm. yeah I'd, i remember being up one night and just just catching a little bit of wind and it was one of them blocks that sort of like it had almost like a barrier around the side so we weren't really like sort of afraid of topping it off or anything like that but yeah i just yeah i just remember thinking fuck you know <laughs> right? this ain't oh. the one and I had uh, Paul S on episode five and he went up onto um, onto one of the blocks in Highgate on the Hillcrest, which is like, mm. you know, proper, proper fucking high up. And and yeah. he said to me, he only went up there once with Pyro when they were still doing Unknown FM. And he was like, yeah, this ain't for me. He's like, he Pyro's up there just walking around casual, you know, climbing over things, looking down here. Going, and he's like, what in the fuck is this? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's true. 
I love the views up there and it's, it's something I, I'm still obsessed with to this day is like, you know, if I, if I ever managed to sort of get into a block, I'd always like, you know, head up and um, yeah. I remember doing a lot of decorating jobs when I was younger and that in some of the flats around Islington and just some of the views from some of the blocks down City Road and that and Peregrine House, especially if anyone knows that block, um, 26 floors up, I think that is. And you get up to the top of there and you look out and it's absolutely incredible, especially being like right in the heart of the city as well, pretty much. It's, I always love that, but um but yeah, no, mate, honestly, just even thinking about all this like mayhem and madness and stuff, just, but just it all came casually to so many people back then. Even, even doing radio, you know, them ones like even just like, I mean, I, I think you'll probably remember when I was getting threatened by a geezer on Facebook who said he was coming to the studio. Do you remember that, Jamie? Mm, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But like that happened for real a couple of times. Like, well, we, we know that geezer was a plank, but like, that happened a couple of times for real brother it's even like you know you'd end up going and doing your show with three or four people because you didn't know if someone was going to come down and take the street not not like a personal beef but they were just like yeah we're mm. just gonna we're coming down to take that station off and it's like fucking hell looking back on it it's like that was proper mental that's right? yeah, true <laughs> i was in um one of the first i think it was where were we it was over in it was the we had a uh, studio so i told you, you know the blocks we used i said on shepherd's bush green yeah. So there's four. There's four. You know the red brick ones I'm talking about, yeah, right yeah. on the green. Yeah. So there's four of them. So the very, very end one towards Goldhawk Road end, that was where our um, that was where our area was, right? But we had a studio in the next block, right? So obviously I had to point the hall like fucking 180 degrees that way, but it's still linked easy, but just to put them off the scent, so they didn't know we was literally right opposite them. And um we was in there one day, right? Spinny B was doing his set on a Friday night. I think he used to play like eight till ten. And there was three or four people in the studio. We I used to have like a zero tolerance thing with the studio. I wasn't I used to tell people it's not like a hangout. Do you know what I mean? Don't bring people here. Oh, my driver and all that. Nah, get him to drop you off. Nah, sorry, mate, ain't about that. The more people to know, it's gonna hot it up. I used to be militant with how loud it was because I didn't want complaints. You used to have to fucking tape all the, the levels down with gaffer tape so people didn't take the piss. They used to still push it up and take the piss in the end. I had to put it in a, a fucking cupboard and lock a cupboard. They used to take liberties. They're DJs. They don't really give a shit, but it'd be me to have to pick up the pieces. But anyway, this one particular night, nice and quiet in the studio, Spinny B's playing. I'm up there. Millsy's in there. Can't remember. A couple of other people. And uh, next thing, the door goes, right? And the fella whose ass it was, whose flat it was, he's come in and he's doing like this gesture with his hand to his neck as if to say, like, we're fucked, right? He's going like, uh, and I'm going, what, 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 what? And he's just kept doing it, but not speaking. And I'm going, well, what? Fucking speak, you can't, what, what? And he's going, oh, I'm going, what the fuck? Before I had a chance to strangle him, I'm like, what the fuck's going on? The old Bill's walked in the fucking <laughs> studio, right? So the first thing I think is, it's a studio raid. So we've gone, oh, all right, mate. But a couple of lads are smoking, puff and whatever they're smoking, right? So uh, he's gone, I've gone, oh, all right, mate. He's gone, yeah, don't worry, lads. What are you doing, a mixtape? We went, oh, yeah, yeah. He went, I'm not worried about the smell and the smoke. He said, we're looking for a kid. There's a kid gone missing and we just got a check. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's no kid, mate. Literally, we're just doing a tape. Phone's pinging off in the background. Fuck me. They walked out the door and we literally all looked at each other and went, that just happened. Did the old Bill just walk in our studio as we are live on air, Spinny B's playing, Mills is doing shouts, and then they walk back out? Did it really just happen? It was like, oh my good God, I can't deal with this. But yeah, again, like just one of them things you couldn't make up. It was just unreal. Like, it was just mad. 
Yeah, I remember we um when we had World FM in New Malden, um, that was like a lot of the old flight boys. Um, mm. I remember being locked in one night and I heard the studio get done. Now, the maddest thing was is that World FM, we did end up putting that on Cambridge Estate, which is just down the road from the studio. And that, yeah. you know, it was pirate for a little bit towards the end of it. And, sh- and then it got shut down and, you know, we bought flight back and that. But um, we were in, I, I was I was sitting there and my mates were in the studio and I was locked in and I heard this commotion like go on. And one of my pals had left the mic on. Like it was one of the shore mics and you can't turn it. They haven't got a lot on off switch. You just use the volume. Yes, but right. He left it on the side and I'm hearing my pals getting done like by the old bill whilst oh, I'm listening to the live stream. Oh, but what's happened is, is they've turned up to go into, um, I might've even told this story on the podcast before, but they've turned up to look in um, this other studio. There's a couple of doors down that um, I don't know whether these geezers were into some like dodgy, um, like, I don't want this to sound off because I'm not in that I'm not that way inclined, but they're Muslim fellas. And I don't mm. know whether they were investigating them for something like that or maybe. or drugs, maybe. Do you know what I mean? There, there yeah, was something yeah, yeah. there was something going on in there because it was a music studio they had as well. And it was something going on in there. Uh, but they were always they were always sweet as of us, but they came for them. And they've ended up here in us and they've smelt the weed and that. One of my pals had scales on him, a bag of bugle, everything like, and he's had to like run out, lob it over the back of the train tracks, like whilst like he's managed to like slip past the old bill. So they've still nicked him from being there, but he didn't have anything. Do you know what I mean? It's just like craziness. But I'm sitting there the whole time with headphones on, going, What? What the fuck's going on? And it's my Honestly, it's just crazy, isn't it? It's just crazy. We, the amount of times we used to, um, well, not the amount of times, it happened a few times. Um, we'd go to studios and you'd see fellas sitting in cars three, four, five roads away. And you think, shit, do they know where we are? But I don't think they did. But we see them one day on a block. So you know how midpoint works, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, so obviously goes to one block, flies off to another. But they were on this block. But at this time, we weren't even using a midpoint. We didn't really need to. Um, and they were on this block and they had this machine and he just kept circling, circling, circling. We go, you know, he's looking for the studio, mate. So obviously what they must do is just they're trying to catch the microwave signal, do you see what I mean? Because it's yeah. it's a lot, it's a lot smaller radius than it's going to be in a band one that's flying out everywhere. And we're going, wow. But again, go up on blocks, they'd cut just a plug off, that's it. Your rig would be there, your air rules would be up, but they'd cut a little plug off the end. And you know, straight away, I'd clock straight away, that's to keep us there for 10 minutes to, so they could steam up there. But um, again, it was just about a bit of now, just get out of there quick. The amount of times I did, I used to run down, you go over the road, look up, you can see them up there walking around because they think you're going to be up there fixing it. Mm. But um, I wouldn't want to hang about, to be fair. But, yeah, we were lucky with regards to that. Have you ever heard there's a recording? I've been trying to find it for ages. And if anyone's listening uh, that happens to have a copy of this recording, because it's fucking hilarious, please email me, the over the hill podcast at gmail.com, because I need a copy of this. Someone sent it to me and I've lost it. Um, there was a radio station in North London, Turkish station called Bizim FM. Um, and <laughs> they had their rig on one block up Northumberland Park. Um, and basically, on light, I think it was on Radio 2 or Radio 3, it was on one of these talk stations, the old Bill and the DTI give it the Billy Big Bollocks and tried to do a live studio raid on air. And they went oh. down there. Yeah, they went down there to these like these garages, these lockups where they thought Bizim were coming from. And they were like, you know, giving it, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to raid this pipe radio station. And they fucking busted in there and there's nothing there. But like, <laughs> they, they had obviously like a decorator's table or whatever and a couple of old cables and whatnot. And they busted in there and it's all live on air and they've just ended up making themselves look like absolute pricks. And then they've Love given it. 
they've given it the old well we're still going up uh i think it's called kenneth robin's house or something we're still going up there and they're still going to take the transmitter down it's like yeah but could have done that without the farage you know I mean, you thought you were going to go in there and arrest a load of turkish fellas and they're just like they're in a they're in a gaff down the road somewhere mate they've, they've, they've mugged it proper so they were actually talking on a microphone yeah yeah, they, they, they were literally there, live on air. They had a reporter there saying they were going oh, down to, to take off this pirate station. Mate, honestly, I, I've got to big up Mr. Flex from Fat Beats who sent me that recording years and years ago because um, I think Bizim were involved with Extreme FM and that, or they used to come off the same blocks and that. But um, yeah, like they've literally just gone in there to try and give it to Charlie Big Potatoes and uh, and completely ended up with egg oh, on their face. It. Yeah, uh, love it, love and, it. And then tried to save face by going, well, when we took the aerial down, it's just like, oh, yeah. well, well, well done, well mate. Done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah, don't yeah. surprise me. It's like when they, uh, like I said on a, on the episode of BQ, they nick supplier and like he came out of prison and the first thing he does is jump in the car and put trooper on. It's on. It's on. Anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, well yeah. done, boys. Congratulations, you've caught the master criminal. Well done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it is it, it, it's funny in a sense to laugh at all of that stuff. Um, I, you know, we get it. They've got a job to do, but as as I've said on the pod and as we've said on this episode, you know, we're pirates have always provided a service and the music industry in the UK especially we'd all be listening to Mr Blobby and Aqua do you know what I mean we wouldn't have anything yeah. we've got you know um I wanted to uh I wanted to move on to a couple of the other fellas and and some of the people that you had on ISFM that obviously later yeah. went on to be really big stars but before I do I'm running a new segment on the show and it's hmm. uh it's I'm going to be getting people to send in their confessions and their dilemmas um and the confessions I've had this week have mostly been people taking a shit in weird places. So um, we'll part that one until next week and I'll be uh, reading out some more confessions. But I did, wow. have, a, I did have a dilemma and um, I'm going to get every single guest involved for a variety of opinions. So uh, the dilemma that came in this week was a fella sent me a message on Instagram. And I don't know, I don't know who his, his missus is or, um, or whatever else, but um, he, he said basically his missus' his dad keeps sending him like some proper racist gear on WhatsApp thinking it's funny and he don't know how to tell him to leave it and, and fuck it off and he don't know what to do. So what would you do if your fellow's old man was sending you loads of racist stuff and it made you uncomfortable? My, my fellow's old man, it definitely ain't that. Sorry, your bird's old fella, what would you do if, if your other half's... Um, if your other half's old man was sending you a load of uh, a load of racist gear and you weren't involved in it. Oh, do you know what? That's awkward as fuck, isn't it? But <laughs> to be fair, do you know what? I, I would I would do to someone what I would want done to me, as in just be honest. <clears throat> and I think it's just one of them things where you just gotta go leave it out, mate. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, that's a write-off. But it might have to be a gif or something, like, you know, like to make it a little bit light-hearted. Yeah. You don't want to go, all right, Alf, go on it, but slow down. It might have to be like a gif of like no way or stop or something <laughs> do you know what i mean but then it, but then it, but then it's the thing of like do you tell your missus like not being horrible or your dad's that's, like a proper racist that's the other thing in it like how do you tell like how do you address it because she might turn around and be like well i don't like him either and you just like have oh, <laughs> you ended up have oh. you ended up with bruv oh. <laughs> wow imagine yeah it's awkward isn't it you yeah, that's, no, no, i think for me jay would be a case of like leave it out but not in a confrontational way, because mm. however, you, however you feel, babe, you've got to still try and keep a relationship with these people. But um, yeah, yeah, it's not a nice situation to be put in. Your answer is a lot more diplomatic than mine. Um, 
I'd just I'd, I'd send him some videos back that he wouldn't enjoy. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what, but what if he did enjoy them? <laughs> <laughs> then she definitely needs to know because we've got some real problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. But um, for any, for anyone who's locked in and you want to get your dilemma sent into the podcast, we're going to have loads of special guests in the coming weeks and months ahead. So do send your dilemmas into the Over the Hill podcast at gmail.com or hit me up on Instagram or Twitter in the DMs. It will always be confidential. Um, there's, you know, I'm not going to be uh, going to be baiting anyone out, um, but I do have to big up DJ. Uh, no, I won't do that to him. <laughs> but yeah, we'll get back into the show. So yeah, I wanted to, um, wanted to talk to you about some of the names and some of the... Mm some of the mental faces that you've had come through um, on ISFM. And a lot of them, a lot of the people I'd like sort of start referring to are the people that came through that were sort of at the, the back end of Garage, but moving into grime. And they all went on to be quite big grime stars. And um, some of the people that you had coming on the station, like pay as you go and people like that, that you were later involved with and, and, and them sort of people there, like what was the, what was the connection there? How did they, how did they sort of um, end up getting involved with stuff? <coughs> How that happened um, was when I first met T-Bone. So I met T-Bone in Iron Apple a few years before. And uh, he'd said to me, look, can you get me a show on the radio? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do my best. Now, T-Bone being T-Bone, he can be pushy at times in the nicest possible way. So he's like, oh, I don't want to hear about, like, maybe, oh, come on, man, give me a show. I'll, I'll, I'll prove to you it's a good show. And I said, you know what, I'll get you a show. And I kept my word. Right. So when I come back, I thought, you know what? producer, putting some good bits out there, got some good contacts, nice fella, no problem. So got him a show, he started bringing them up. So he'd bring up Max D, uh, Major Ace, God bless his soul, Plague, Wiley, they'd all come up, you know, bit by bit. Um, and that's obviously how we kind of got onto the label side of things. But but yeah, it was more, more again, just through, um, just through association, you know. Like Spinny B brought up uh, Romeo and I think it was Neutrino or something like that. I think it was Neutrino, definitely Romo and Neutrino. Um, again, just someone ring you. Can I bring them up? Yeah, cool. No problem. People used to ring me all the time. Can I bring this one up? Oh, is it oh, Johnny B or something like that? It's like, nah, like, not really. Like, if it's a special guest, bring up a special guest. But we can't really be saying it's a special guest and just have, like, your mate who's got some tunes. Do you know what I mean? It's not really about that. Yeah, yeah, you and you've always got to be, especially in them pirate situations, as you say, you, you're on it with the security, and that's so you've always got to be uh, on point with who's coming in the studio because Johnny B might be a uh, might be Detective Jonathan Barnes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's true. It's true. Do you know what? Though, funny you say that. When I think back to some of the people that contacted us and we actually did have up there, I could have put myself right in it at them times because although I was on the ball, there was times where you probably did let a few things slip. Like I remember. Like, it's so, like, surreal. We had, like, a German TV station, right? They kind of contacted me, and he was... Someone contacted me via them, saying, look, they want to do a thing with you. You know, they love urban music in Germany. Jungle's massive over there, but they're really getting into the garage thing. Like, could these guys come and film you in the studio? I was like, all right, cool, but listen, just a couple of them. What's he going to do? Just film saying, yeah, yeah, I met them by Shepherd's Bush train station. There was about 14 people. And I had to say to them, like, you can't all come up there. And they were like, yeah, but he's the he's the one who's going to tell them what to film. He's the one who's going to interview you. She's got the sound. He writes it down. It's like, mate, like you've put me in a right awkward situation. And in the end, I buckled and went, oh, oh fucking hell, I'm coming in. But it's like, it was just, it was ridiculous. You know, when I thought about it after, it was ridiculous. But 
it went all right. They were talking in German the whole way through. So they did. They were asking us questions in English, but when the guy sent me the tape, it was all in German. Like you couldn't hear nothing. No one was saying. So, all right, thanks for the tape, but um, yeah, we, we don't know what you're saying. So, but again, just weird, weird things that happened that I think back on. It was just like really surreal, you know. Yeah, it, but this is the thing, though, is as you say, you were. Uh... You know, when when he got into the later days when they did start taking you off and it, it had got big, you know, and that mm. things like that pop up, mate. And yeah, it's it's a sign of it's a sign of good things, really. It's it's all yeah. as bizarre and as fucking weird as it might be. Um, yeah, yeah. You mentioned there uh, the the label and stuff. Um, how did you get into into that side of things and, and actually signing artists and putting records out and that? Because it's not a is there's a few people have done it from radio, but it's not a straight transition from going from, you know, sort of running a station into bang all of a sudden you're, you're, you know, you're breaking new artists really. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? This is, this is a weird subject for me. Um, and I'll tell you for why, uh, at the time it just felt like it was the progression. So T-Bone had said to me, look, do you want to do a label? Right. I said, T, I don't know nothing about that side of things, mate. I said, like, let me just stick to my strings. If I can help you with anything, then cool. But I ain't really my, I wouldn't know where to start, mate. But he just said, look, you don't need to. I'm the producer. I made the records. I've got the contacts. I could sign, you know, artists. We could do this together. I just need you to be able to push it. Because he knew, obviously, through our friendship, that I could, if we'd done a party, for example, I could get our advert on every single station in London without paying a penny because we would take their ads. It was like a reciprocal agreement. Do you see what I mean? We had no problem doing that for other stations and they'd do the same for us. So it was quite easy to push our thing. So um, so I said, what, so that's all you need for me? Yep, that's all you need for me. We go 50-50, blah, blah, all right, cool. So now when I say it's a bit of a, a bit of a contentious subject for me, the reason why I say that is because I went into it for the sole reason of, okay, great, a label, financially let's try and make some money um but i didn't i wasn't into the music do you see what i mean and when people ask me now about the scene and where do you think you know this you know it started going wrong i think we contributed to that and i don't like that do you see what i mean at the time i didn't know that because we think it's going to be there forever you think it's just going to morph into a new news that we're going to keep going on if i'd known now you know what was happening what was going to happen I wouldn't have done it and that's the truth but um it, it was done with the right intentions I, I felt at the time um but yeah looking back now I think we didn't really help um with regards to the style of music but on the plus side for you know the people that did buy the records we sold a hell of a lot of fucking records it was unbelievable I didn't know anything about it um and what I will say as a disclaimer, if a taxman ever hears this, I'm just going to say I made it up. So I will tell you <laughs> what happened. And then if he, if he knocks on my door, I'll just say I was bullshitting for the pod. So the very first tune we've done, we've done with Skibbity, right? Now, obviously, Skibbity's a jungle MC. But he said, look, I've done a garage beat. Skibbity was sitting on the tune. The tune was called Super S. I thought, cool. So he went down to uh, Essential Records in um, Brick Lane. Obviously, that's where T used to do with all this stuff. He said, I'll speak to you later. All right, cool. So he rings me later to come meet me. Come at him, he had 30 grand in a bag, right? So I'm going, what's the score then? He's like, bang, that was for the pressing, that was for this, gonna give that to the artist, bang, that's yours. And it was like fucking seven or eight grand, right? And I'm going, what the fuck? I ain't done nothing. Like all I've done <laughs> is put some fucking ads on a station, right? So for me, it was like, this is unbelievable. 
So then obviously then we signed um we signed No We off of Wiley. He'd already put that out. Um so I do feel he kind of felt he was flogging a dead horse with us. He was getting money for nothing. We signed it for peanuts, by the way, absolutely nothing. Um done a new mix on it. I think we sold literally about eight, ten thousand copies on that. They took four or five thousand copies and literally every month they were asking for five hundred more. 300 more 500 it was just unbelievable we, we just sold so many copies it was unbelievable done a tune with wesley james shimano that done well done a tune with df matt that done well it was more like a soulful thing um but by then we just kind of missed the boat it was towards right towards the end yeah. and i felt if we'd started the label maybe a year before i think we could have really done something with it um but yeah again good in one way but um yeah, I don't look back on it with fond memories. And I, I don't like to say that against T-Bone because he's my pal and he's great at what he does and it's nothing to do with him. It's more my own feeling about the music yeah. and the vibe and I just feel a, a teeny bit of guilt about that. Yeah, there's a lot of people that would discuss that sort of time and, you know, and even some of the MCs that were around that time. I mean, I'm sure most people listening have, have seen the uh, the Rewind Forever UK Garage documentary. If they yeah. haven't, it's on YouTube. Go out and watch it. A lot of big garage producers at the time, even a lot of the MCs that were around said, you know, the music changed, the vibe got darker. Um, and ultimately, you know, it's one of the one of the factors that said, you know, sort of did really kill garage for a little while in the UK, especially in the club mm. scene. Um, not necessarily the artist's fault um, by any stretch of, of imagination. Um, big culture shifts in the UK around that time as well. So, so yeah, um, I get what you're saying. Um, it's something that I touched on on my previous episode of Paul S as well, we we're talking about UK funky and I was around, I was pushing UK funky before it was even really a thing. Like um, it was like, I was always like house soulful house. And I remember getting sent some of the early UK funky bits and just being like, right, this is like almost like that garage thing of like, Oh, this is what we do, but it's harder. Like it's a bit darker. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like invasion crew takeover and tunes like that were coming out. Um, and it was like, that was all well and good. And then it became like a really big thing and crazy cousins blew up and UK funky was everywhere. And it, it, it parallels with garage for me because then what happened is you had all of like migraine skank came out and then this skank came out and then this MC was on this tune and then this got a bit darker and, yeah. and it just turned from, it turned from being almost like the girl scene. Do you know what I mean? Where yeah. ge geezers would go out because birds were out um, mm. and, and they were singing along and everyone was vibing a lot like Garage to being something a bit more moody than it should have been. Um, and that's where, you know, we were discussing that, the parallels between the two scenes and it happens, mate. But, you know, no we, uh, in a sense, um, a seminal record for, for the UK music scene. And what I mean by that is the amount of artists that have come, not just Wiley, but so many others not just and not just pay as you go but the people that have took mm. influence from that and grown from that and what we've seen like if you guys don't do what you do i've said this before and i'll say it again stormzy doesn't headline glastonbury in my opinion mm. like yeah. it comes from that and it comes like you know as you say in, on a personal level um it's not something you're that fond of but you know i can sit here i can sit here and look you in the eyes on zoom <laughs> and tell you like you know it's important like what you did was important and and you know, it is, you know, for you and T-Bone, you've got your own little piece of history there, mate. And, um, yeah. and that's, you know, with, with, with every, with every cloud comes a silver lining, mate. Um, 
in terms of you know the rest of the time on ice um how how long did ice run in its duration and um you know we did kind of touch on the end there but what was what was behind the decision to sort of to sort of bring it all to a close i started in uh 96 96 and it ran till it was approximately 2003 2004 by that time i'd sold my my little chunk uh my 50% over to uh, someone else um, but it didn't last too long after that and the main reason for that mate was um, I'd had my first daughter by then um, I'd moved out the area um, I'm I'm in Hertfordshire now where where I've been since then I haven't moved um, from that from that area and it was just becoming a slog I saw the scene was changing uh, it wasn't what it was uh, we've already discussed the, the detail were just on us ridiculously Clubs were getting closed down left, right and centre. Um, it just all seemed to get a little bit too serious. Um, and I kind of lost that that vibe, that little bit of magic that Pirate had. I just, I, I lost that little spark. Mm. Um, so for me, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was time to walk away. And that's the, that's the sort of thing where you're talking about, like, nowadays, the thought of going up on a block with a load of scaffold poles is like... Like, you know, it's because that it's because that edge and that enjoyment just goes out of it, doesn't it? It's just yeah. it's a different thing. It's 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 sort of similar for me. I've joked about it on a podcast before, you know, like if I was to win the Euro millions tonight, I'd buy a house, cut a couple of houses, get my family settled, and then I'd bell up Pyro, I'd bell up Kanga, whoever, and uh I'd probably chuck fifty grand at starting a station, do you know what I mean, and just see where we yeah. go with it. Because yeah, I, that's true. I love it that much. But at the same time, I'm a hypocrite because there's a couple of stations I could have gone and got re- regular shows on recently. And I'm just like the ag of doing a show every week and going somewhere yeah. and do it like at the same time for me, even now. And I, I love this stuff. Like I could sit and talk about radio all day, every day um, and mm. not get bored. Like I can't go anywhere. Like we drove, um, we went over to, uh, to New Malden today and we were going down the A3 and I looked over on my left at Southfields at the old Don Tower. Um, yeah. and there's there's a certain station coming off there now and I clocked on the block just next to it there's like a white block there um, they were saying else up there as well and I was like I'm looking at it and I, st- I can't figure out if it was or it weren't but I was like that fucking looks like a cheeky little single hanging off the side of the block you know like yeah. it, I'm, I'm just I do it all the time um, yeah same I'm the same and, as you yeah and it's just like you know I'm that into it but um i think throughout the years of you know i started doing it when i was like 15 16 like yeah half my life and now i'm just like fuck me could i really go out and go into some dingy lockup somewhere or you know I mean, the, the thing was for me as well like the studios did become much better quality later on like when i was on mm. when i was on ice cold and um you know when it later turned into image and even when i was on s dance like the studios were always fairly comfortable in that always ran the risk of being raided and um I've got a, I've got someone I'm going to bring on a podcast that tell us all a funny story about when we used to be on ice cold. But um, yeah, mate, it's just you know it was a bit more comfortable. But even then, do you know what I mean? Even then, it's still like every single week getting new records, planning yeah. a show, going. It's it's tough. It really is tough. Um, so you know, you you hung up your dipoles, so to speak, and yeah. uh, and locked it on the head. Um, did you did you do anything else music related after that? Did you get involved in any promotions and stuff like that? Um, not at that time. Uh, not at that time. I I'd had my fill. Um, the parties were starting to peter out. I think we had done literally one or two last things. It might have been a Bagley's or a, a club space or something like that. Whatever we'd done, you know, whatever was was running back then. But no, I kind of stepped out 
Um, and it wasn't till uh, what we know. Well, we've had lockdown, so it wasn't till two years ago yeah. when I said, "Fuck it, I'm going to do a party. I'm just going to do a throwback party." Literally, just promoted it on Instagram, and do you know what? It was just unbelievable. We that, was an the, uh, that was a UK, UK G memories. Yeah. yeah, do you know what? It was honestly, mate. It was just so fucking good. It li- the amount of people that come up to me that night and said to me, "I feel like I'm back in the day," because we said to the DJs, "Don't do all the hits. Yeah. Play like." Play, play, play the Grant Nelsons. You know what I mean? Play the Catch Records. Play the the Ice Creams. Like all the all the like the the real underground ones that were not the, you know, like the the, the fucking pure garage. Yeah. You know, top twenty. Um, and that's the kind of vibe it was. And uh, yeah, do you know what, mate? It was a really, really good. It was a really good party. I must admit. I, as soon as we as soon as we done, we went bang. We got to do another. We never ended up doing another because one, we dragged our feet for a little bit, and two, we had a fucking pandemic. But um, mate, I think when we come out of it, I think there might be no time like uh, like the unleashing of lockdown to get people out of about partying again. It's true, and literally a week before lockdown, I'd had the lineup for the next one sorted. Spoke mm-hmm. to everybody, agreed everything, venue sorted, absolutely sorted. We were just about to launch it, and the venue called us and said. Um, oh, we can't have the party because the council's been in and we've got to put limiters on the uh, speakers. We're like, what? And it was a great venue. It's a wicked venue, right? So um, we were like, oh, man. So we had to start thinking of a new venue. But by the time we, that that, that was actually a blessing in disguise. But by the time we started sorting out a new venue, this when all this shit started kicking off. And, yeah. um, you know, so it, it was kind of a blessing in disguise. But yeah, it was, it was a really good party. Really, really good party. Do you reckon you will try and give it another crack when we get back to normal? Definitely. No, we've already we've already yeah. spoke about it. Um, definitely going to do another one hundred percent. It was the amount of people that still message the page now. When you're doing one, are you doing one? When you're doing one, and we're saying, look, as soon as we can, we will. So I mean, and it was all off the back of just an Instagram page. That's all it was. Yeah. Um, just throwing some tunes up there, people getting involved, throwing some old photos up there, and just people, you know, they just they just want to want to have a good party, you know. Yeah, mate. Uh, I think it's it's good in a way. I, I like to hear that you're doing. Um, you know, you're having people play more proper garage. I spoke about it on episode four with Blaze and we were talking about, you know, everyone all the time just playing the same 20 or 30 tunes at a garage event. And it's just like, mm. it's one reason I, I've avoided them for quite a few years now because yeah. I just, I don't want to hear it. Do you know what I mean? I just, yeah, like, yeah. I, if I go somewhere and I can hear someone play like, you know, RIP, the players, mm. or, you know, I can hear someone play 500 record stuff or, you know, whenever I've gone and done shows on flight as of recent with, with my boy Pure Cut P and I took Eamon down there with me and that, and we've done a couple of shows. It's all, you know, Banana Republic and old school Grant Nelson stuff. It's no yeah. nonsense. Do you know what I mean? I can't deal with, with going to a gaff and hearing, uh, <laughs> hearing, um, um, like, you know, uh, something in your eyes for like the 50th time that no, night. No, I mean, like, I, no. Don't get me wrong. They're great records and no disrespect to anyone um, who brought out them tracks and stuff. But um, also a lot of the people that brought out them tracks did also bring out the proper stuff as well. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, that, that, that day I, I, we'd already said to the DJs, look, we don't want that. We yeah. want that. Yeah. We want to give people a proper throwback. Um, and I was running around doing all kinds of bits and bobs on the day, as you can imagine when you're doing a party. And I remember I hadn't been upstairs. I thought, I need to go upstairs and see how things are going. As I walked in, um, I can't even think who was playing, but they were playing DJ Operators tune. Remember that one from back yeah, in the day? Yeah. It was like a purple and white one. I can't remember the name of the tune, but um, not a tune you'd hear in parties, but you'd always hear on the radio. But again, as soon as I heard it, I thought, yes, this is the vibe. We've, this is what we've asked for, and this is what they're getting. And people were just having it. Yeah. Like, they were just having it. Like, unbelievable. 
Creed, we had Creed booked, obviously, like we, you know, he, Ferrari, he's stable. Do you know what I mean? You've got to have Creed there. He's, he's the voice of UKG for me, well, Garage. And um, before he was telling me, look, Rick, can I, I might need to get away. No problem, I'll sort it out. He ended up staying till the end, him and Norris, off their nut. Off, he was going, we ain't going. Unbelievable. I said, no, stay. And like so many people that day just said, do please do another one. And it, it gave me a lot of faith because I thought, do you know what? We haven't done one for a while. We was only trying a little something. Sold out the tickets in no time. And it was like, wow, wow. These these people are hungry for this, man. And there's not a lot of them. Yeah, no, that's right. So you had obviously a big hiatus in between them times and, and the times leaving ICE. Was there a lot of, um, did you still listen to a lot of radio during that time? Were we still sort of keeping your ear to the ground and listening to what was going on? Or did you sort of just completely step back from it all? No, always listen, mate. If you go into my tuning now, it's literally all pirates. Some of them, I don't even know if they're pirates anymore. I wouldn't really know. But if you go through my thing now, it's literally all underground. But what I'm actually shocked about was a lot of the ones that are still on there, on the internet. Now, I don't know if they're on FM. I'm not in touch with it, but... I was listening to Shine FM the other day. Uh, Dream FM still seemed to be on tuning. Uh, Center Force, um, obviously yeah, Cent- cool. Center Force is uh, is on DAB now. I think that's on DAB. Gotcha. But I've, yeah, always I've always listened to these stations. If I if I go on Mixcloud, I'm typing in like 1997 stuff. You know, like I want to hear um, Weekend Rush. Uh, a jungle set from 97 or I'll be typing in uh, Chicago FM 1995 do you know what I mean saying mad like that will freak in 98 that's what that's my kind of go-to yeah I know you always post up you're one of the people I, I sort of um I'll, I'll always see you post up a random YouTube set of like mm. a particular club night or a particular um there's a couple of Instagram pages that have got some really really good old tape recordings of like London Underground um old even like the grime stuff like Deja and Heat FM and loads of different stations yeah. like that like um as you say Chicago Magic uh Y2K like in Mission FM yeah. Yeah. like there's there's a, yeah. there's a lot of them sets out on YouTube um even some of my old mates from flight there's some of the old jungle sets from flight with sub zero and function and them boys on there and yeah mate absolutely quality that it's all still there and available um yeah. for pe- for people to go back and listen to and it, it is different you know you can there's a lot of DJs out there that are on good stations now and um you know, they'll have primetime slots on, you know, your one extras and things like that. And they'll be playing the music, but it just, for me, it just, it feels too good. Like it feels like it's yeah. too perfect. Like I want to go to a studio where, you know, you've got, you know, you know, if you touch the mixer wrong a little bit, you'll have a little bit of a cut on it. Yeah, yeah. I want a Crackle. problem. Like, I want a problem. Yeah. I want something wrong with it. Yeah. You know, it can't be, it can't be too nice. And it was mad. I've said this before, but I was doing uh, legal shows on represent on Saturday nights. So I was covering for someone on there. Um, and you know, I was doing things like this, a lot of sit down interviews and stuff and doing mixes and things like that. But I'd look out the window and a couple of streets over, was the building where I was going to do my S dance show, like my Supreme wow. Supreme show on 96.1, like on a Tuesday night. So I'd be in there and the studios, yeah. like they weren't that different. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But it's still like, it still weren't perfect. And it was like, you know, it's still, I mean, S dance, them geezers have been setting up for years. They, they, they always sound quality, but it's still pirate. Do you know what I mean? And I'd be in yeah, this yeah, studio doing these legal shows with this big mixing desk and all these big microphones that come down and people coming in doing interviews and, you know, you know, read the weather and do this and do that. And it's like, it's all well and good, but it just doesn't 
feel the same. And even the people that are on them stations playing, you know, you'll have people go on Kiss and do a late night jungle set or a garage set or, you know, EZ will do a Radio 1 show or something. It just, it's great. It's great that it still happens, but mm-hmm. I'm completely with you where it just, it doesn't feel the same. It really doesn't. No, no. it's like a lot of, like so many people have messaged me over the years, even up to last week, like saying, we come and do a show, we come do an internet show me. And, and it ain't like, the sole reason why I just always say to them, look, do you know what? I really can't do it. It's two things. One, it's just not the same for me. Like, I, I think some things are, are better left where they were. Now, I don't mean the music, but I'm talking about that vibe that I had. You, I can't get back. And that was what I fell in love with, that underground, that mystical secret vibe. It was like, it was like a little secret community. And if you was on the outside of it, you wanted to know more. Whereas now you see a thing on Facebook, you're scrolling past in five seconds. Yeah. You've got three views and like three people watching. I just think, I just, I just can't be bothered. It's not, it's just not the same, you know, yeah. it's just not the same and, it, and, it, and it's not for me. Yeah. No, no, I get it, mate. And yeah, I mean, I've done, I've done streams on my Mixcloud um, on the odd occasion in my bedroom and, um, you know, I'll be looking at the amount of people I've got locked in and then mm. I'll finish my show. I'll go on Facebook and there'll be, you know, uh, an online station that's also got, a rig somewhere you know how they do it nowadays where yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. they don't they don't say you know they don't say the frequency and blah 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 mm, yeah, um, yeah. but you'll look on their facebook live or their mixcloud live and they've got like 12 people listening yeah, and i'm I like I, I, had, I had like 85 90 people tuned in tonight and i was playing soulful house like old school stuff do you know what i mean like just nothing mm. really just i was in my bedroom in a pair of slide socks and my, and my pants basically yeah it's just mad it's it's just Sorry, Joe, I think this generation is too easy to scroll. We're just scrollers now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, how many times have you been on your phone and you think, fucking, I'll get off of that? You, you swipe off of an app and within three seconds, you're back on the same app. You go, what am I doing? I'm just fucking... <laughs> it's like we're, we're, we're a bit robotic now and um, mm. it's not it's not set up for it anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, back in the day, we didn't have that. So you had your, your aerial out the window. You had your, your coat hanger. Remember the metal coat hangers <laughs> all bent up? You know what I mean? That was always a, a good one. But um, it was... It was a different time, a different vibe, and that was our entertainment. Everywhere you look now, we we've got digital things, and I just think it's it just hasn't got that vibe anymore. You know, one thing I will say though, if anybody wants to hear a good good thing, and it's nothing to do with me, but I think that the page deserves unbelievable props. You might have seen it. There's a page on YouTube. I don't know who set it up, but it's called Take Me Back Pirate Radio Archives. Have you seen it? Is that the one with the um, the train tickets got, as logos? It's got yes, that's it's got the one I was thinking of. Artwork. Mate, yeah. it's wicked. It is so good. I don't know where this geezer sources all his shows because I haven't heard of them. Because if you go on Mixcloud or Soundcloud, you've pretty much heard them in the day, back in the day, or they're knocking about. This guy just seems to put things up regular and they are so old, but clear. Yeah. And, and he does wicked artwork. As I said, I don't know who it is, but people need to get on that page because I think he deserves a lot more subscribers than he's got. Yeah. Um, but it's a really, really good page. If you're into underground music, garage, you know, old jungle. That is a fantastic page. Yeah, that's the exact page. And I was telling you about some of the shows mm. that I've been listening to. I think it was you that posted it up. Yeah, take me back. Um, yeah, it's even got the jingle in there. Take me back. Like, yeah, that's it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, do, yeah. You, do you know what? I might even I might even try a cheeky one and, and message them and see whoever it is and mm. maybe get them on the show. Because as I said, you know, this is like something I'm trying to do with a podcast is keep the vibes of the stuff that I always loved alive. 
um, and, you know, talk about uh, what I think is a very important part of the culture. And I'm really happy that you've been able to come on as, as someone who was at the forefront of it for such a long time and did so much and, you know, sort of give me your time tonight to sit down and, yeah, and on, have a chat about time. it, mate. It's, it's, it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on. Um, yeah, thank you for having me, man. No, mate, honestly, one of the first people I thought of um, when, you know, I sat down and made a list of, of, of people from the pirate days that I'd love to actually, because, you know, we've run into each other a couple of, you work across the road from me, do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we've bumped into each other, you know, we've seen each other at events over the years or, you know, spoken briefly and had a laugh on Insta and that, but never actually been able to sit down and have a conversation. And yeah, yeah, mate, yeah, true. We, we will do it again um, in a studio and stuff properly when all the restrictions are lifted over a case of Corona, hold the virus. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and we'll go over it all again and, and um, you know, tell some stories and, and shoot the shit. But in the meantime, mate, where can, where can people follow you on the socials? Um, my personal account, I'm on Instagram. I'm not on, I'm not on um, Twitter or anything like that. My, my main account uh, is Instagram, which would be rickyd884. And uh, the party page or the garage page is UKG underscore memories. Mate, thank you so much for coming on. Honestly, I can't, I can't thank you enough, man. brother. It's been absolutely quality. Um, you've been listening to the Over the Hill podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you tune in on the next episode. I've got the one and only Ashley J coming on to talk about his Freeze FM documentary. So make sure you do not miss that. Um, I want to send a big shout out to everyone who's been sending in their dilemmas and their confessions. Don't forget, send them into the show, the Over the Hill podcast at gmail.com. And we'll be uh, involving you, um, involving the listeners and involving the special guests, um, giving their advice on your dilemmas and your problems. But um it's a wrap episode seven with Ricky D over and out.